I was almost petrified to really start up Voilbug. The fear of it failing, waking up, and realizing that I didn't have an employer anymore, and this is on me. And am I going to just wallow in my own self-pity? Hell no. I had to basically just pull myself up, use all those skills that I developed professionally, and apply them into my own work ethic on the magic side into a brand that I cared about, that is truly a passion project. That is the stuff that is really pushing me to figure out what is next. Oilbug is an MTG brand created by Roland Chang. Roland loves playing with foreign language foils. He's also super passionate about growing local communities for older formats like legacy, pre-modern, and old school. Oilbug takes all the things Roland wants to do and provides it back to the magic community. We discuss what Foilbug is all about, and also the entrepreneurial challenges of building it out as a business. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Roland Chang. I'm mainly an eternal magic specialist and am currently spending a lot of my time invested into building a brand inside of magic called Foilbug. Tell me about the mission statement. I mean, what is Foilbug trying to achieve? So Foilbug on the site, you'll see it's committed to the MTG community. Uh, by sharing shiny content, creating premium merch, and guiding players to amazing stores around the world. What it primarily wants to do is be a brand, first of all, but also to allow for players to have an LGS guide. Uh, for those that don't know what LGSs are, it's a local game shop. It's something that I don't think anybody has really successfully done, so I want to capture that and be able to bring a spotlight to all these different stores that probably deserve it, but also in the meantime, provide them something that they can kind of work up to build up to and spike the attendance whenever I'm going to one of these type of uh, LGSs and um, either spike the prize pool as well to get more players to show up from the surrounding areas, generate a lot more buzz around it, and hopefully with that, create even more attendance at these paper events. Going to any of these large events that come up, let's say a Pro Tour, SCG Con, or even just a BCDL, one of those opens, there's always this opportunity that you're going into random city, perhaps it's like um, Columbus, for instance, that you know you want to know what's over there, or even Pittsburgh. And if there's a Thursday night Legacy Weekly, you probably want to know about that, so that if it's on the site and if it's featured and if people know that I'm going there right before SCGCon Pittsburgh and know how to get there, what the food options are, transportation, to understand what um, the player base is like, even which store to really you know, go to for that particular event, it's all going to be there within that review. So I'd like to guide a lot of people since uh, a lot of people actually ask me questions of what are you doing for Thursday night and I'm like, I would love to be playing Legacy, and it's not always something that people plan for, so if they can look at the site and see that dynamically pulling in stuff from Spice Rack, that you're seeing all the things that are going over at a, let's say, a Titan Games, and then the surrounding area of all the other formats that are being played, I think it's really helpful for all those users, or those players, to really see what is going on and what is it is it truly worth their time to actually visit for those who may not be familiar can you 
talk briefly about what Spice Rack is. Yeah, Spice Rack is an aggregation of all of the events. There's stores within a geographic area, and it will use geolocation to then uh, show you what is available. So it'll scrape the internet and also uh, any discords of, let's say, each of those individual stores and get figure out how much it costs for that event if it was a weekly or at least what time it is and um, when it's going to be held. So I think it's a lot better than what Wizards has right now for Stellar Locator because Stellar Locator is going to get you to the store, but do you truly know what's actually at this store? Probably not. You're going to have to do a lot more research. And this is the same struggle that I had when I was going and trying to figure stuff out when I went over to Pittsburgh. And I remember just only through word of mouth that a Titan Games actually existed. And without that research, I probably would have been, or even just like hearing about it, I probably would have been completely lost. The store locator only gets you so far. It tells you the store exists, but it doesn't, you have to then dig deeper. You have to find a Facebook group. You have to message the owner or a player who's going there. Hey, and you also have to figure out, are they going to fire the event? So I think that is something that if there is a good view of that, it makes it easier for you to commit the time to show up. One of the dynamics that I saw, the dynamic between GameStoria and also Bifrost Games. These are two stores in New York. One's in Astoria. It's been there for the better part of the last decade. And then Bifrost has just been in Manhattan now for almost a year, coming up on a year now. So, But the, the player base supports both. And I think it's a beautiful thing because you have Monday nights from 7 o'clock to almost 10.30 at night. People are playing four rounds of Legacy over at GameStoria. And then you get another 20 to 25 players on Friday nights over at Bifrost in the city. And they're, they're playing three rounds, but they're still getting their fill. And they're going from 7 o'clock till 10 o'clock and, you know, having a great, great time with uh, each other. Then there's monthlies that, you know, interact between the two. So um, they're not ever scheduled on the same date. And sure, there's always scheduling um, issues that, that occur for other formats, but you can't win them all, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. But I have not seen either store really fight after one particular date. It's usually like, all right, they're going to take this date, or we're going to take take a date like right. later in the month, There's or kind of like a the next week. Understanding, we can have players go to both events, and let's just not have conflicts if we can avoid it. Right? Exactly. So I think both stores are successful at this point, and the player base truly appreciates, you know, having. Um, a steady metagame that is evolving in New York, and uh, you you see slight differences in each store because like it's a different crowd on a Friday night versus like you know uh, some of the diehards that go on Monday nights, but it's all bleeding together. But it's not something that happened with let's say the stores, you know, outside of those two, and you know trying to get a lot of those uh, same players in. The more options that we have, the better. And I, I love seeing these large events fire all on the regular and even if there aren't the regulars that like the the 15 that are always going to be there you know at least the the transient folks that come through the city either on vacation they'll at least know about it and then they can join in with the regulars and have a have a great time but um this is where foil bug actually really shines it is a offering information where it's not usually brought to light and i think that most of these reviews will be rather objective to be able to explain to someone looking for that research already be done for them. And 
I'm more than happy to do it. It's something that I have been doing, but not to this extent. And I, I never really dedicated that much time to really explaining, you know, what the true local scene is going to look like. But um, with the help of others, I can understand what's happening in a Boston, what's happening over in Columbus. And fortunately, there are a lot of regulars that go to these other stores that are hosting Legacy from 8 to 12 players. And, you know, I want to keep that up. I want to, like, put a, put a spotlight on them and make sure that others in the area are going to be able to, like, discover this and be like, oh, my gosh, it's in my backyard. So make that a, a regular thing for them to realize that I can play with some of the top people and I don't have to just, you know, play over webcam or, you know, maybe play on MTGO because I'm not sure if I can compete. But at least get to know some more of the faces that are going there. And, um, yeah, Spice Rack is going to help make that happen. Um, just that integration that we are pulling in their data from their API and populating it on the side of the, the review pages so that people can really understand what the landscape really looks like for an LGS if, uh, if, they, if it's worth visiting and start to build a map and start to build a database full of LGSs that, um, you know, they're worth going to check out at least. And I can offer some tidbits or even just a snapshot of what it is about that particular community and what, what makes it worth uh, dropping by. You know, even the LGS stores, like this is an opportunity for them to work with me and partner up and create something that's really cool. Um, it's, I don't see a lot of players entering the space to do the same exact thing. Um, I don't know if a lot of players would even have that opportunity. So it's a, it's something that I'm going out on a limb, but at the same time, I do have maybe a little larger network than you know, a few of those players out there that can maybe get the draw to make, convince a, uh, an LGS to consider this, like this opportunity of having a larger event and maybe let's, you know, get some more prize pool in there and um, make it special. So it doesn't have to happen every week, but I mean, and even if I don't stop in one of those four or five stores within a city, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to be back. What? kinds of things would I expect. So let's say we're using this very common scenario. I'm going to be in Columbus. I've never been to any of the events. What mm -hmm. can this collab between Foilbug and Spice Rack give me, the traveling magic player? What kind of things can I view and how do I make an informed decision? For Spice Rack uh, specifically, that is something, that is a site that Evan Farrell put together and it's super useful on its own already. Um, it's going to automatically pull in within a 25-mile radius of all the stores in that area, all the, the all the events. But I would view Foilbug as that resource of a, a specifically pinpointed place that uh, maybe it's just the city. And having a list of all these, and eventually I will have you know up to 10 or 15 of these, and then start placing these on a map as in pins and people can explore from there just to see what's you know in their part of the world what are these really cool shops that you know are being featured here and any of that spice rack integration that we have on foilbug is also going to have a link out directly to either the map or the, the specific event site that uh, spice rack is going to be populating on its own so 
sure, I'm losing like a little traffic here from, you know, sending more people out there, but I'm not looking for that. I just want people to consider Foilbug as a, a resource for, you know, looking at the ones that I have already been visiting and um, especially lining up for other future uh, future visits too. So we're going to see, you know, how it goes with Spellbound Games over in Chicago. We'll go from there. I think, you know, Columbus might be my next stop after that and perhaps Houston. Um, I'm trying to think of other international destinations as well. If I'm bouncing around the world with the idea to put a spotlight on these other stores, I think that's going to just offer um, landmarks or even just good ideas to include into an itinerary if, if someone's already also planning on visiting that particular city. Beyond just the LGS guide, the goal is to also feature the shiny content. So that's where I am planning on releasing 30 to 60 second videos of pieces of my own collection. So I'm sure you're aware of some of the Japanese foils that I have, right? Yeah. yeah. But for those who may not, Roland is a big time Japanese foil collector. I think you've managed to foil out just about every deck that you play on the regular. Is that right? Whether it's legacy yeah. or vintage or otherwise. So it's been years in the making. It's a labor of love, but I also feel that, you know, it's it's something that I've been able to just work toward since coming back into the game in 2012, 2013, and start to build a collection that I wanted to play with and um, shows my taste in, like, in aesthetic in my decks. And when I post up deck picks, I mean, they, they actually look really cool and, like, uniform and are posted the way that I want to show them to the world. So Japanese foils has, you know, they, they typically will be a little bit more expensive. However, I think they also retain a lot more value. So if I'm trading them off or selling to them to other um, players that also appreciate them, then they'll probably at least have a little bit more value than let's say a non-foil English one. But there's nothing wrong with, you know, playing with non-foils. I just uh, prefer to you know, have my entire collection just with Japanese, and so I don't actually have to read it. And uh, that's just the way I play Magic right now. I, I, I literally just memorize everything and, like, go with a photographic memory of what it does and remembering all of the interactions that particular card has with other cards in the metagame. So um, it's a sacrifice, but also it is hilarious when I call a judge on myself. So um, it's a point of embarrassment, and uh, it... It, because of that, I try not to ever call a judge on myself to get the Oracle text. It does happen, though. Yeah. I I have not done that, but I have seen that. I have played against an opponent in China who had a Japanese Jace the Mind Sculptor and called a judge, called a judge on himself, or called for the the Chinese or English text because he could not remember the ultimate. That does mm -hmm. that does happen from time to time, but it keeps the mind sharp just to remember most of what your cards do and what they're supposed to do. So. Yeah, so I want to showcase the uh, the cards for, like one at a time. I want to talk about the the collection or the collectability aspect, uh, the financial aspect, and even strategically how it fits into the metagames for the eternal side. So, I mean, Snuff Out is going to be the first one that I'm going to feature. Uh, it's a very very cool uh, foil that is only a common from Mercadian Masks, but I mean, thinking back to 
the release of Mercadian Mask, I was actually kind of out of Magic, not really paying attention to the new set, because it didn't really attract me. But then, <clears throat> years later, here I am trying to scrounge around, try to find a, a, a Japanese foil snuff out, and it's $180. And you're like, mm -hmm. what? How did it ever even like get up that high? But it is one of the most efficient pieces of removal in all of Legacy and Vintage, so... That that's the kind of stuff that I want to talk about, but also you know put it under the light so people can see its beauty and it see its aesthetic as a Japanese version of that particular card, and you know understand why it's so rare and hard to find. So I think that's the uh, that's the brand that I've built at least on my Twitter side that I do have a pretty crazy collection of things that people can't read, but. You know, it, it makes it, <laughs> it makes a lot more fun, it, and even like some of the alters that were English cards, like the Judge Foil Lightning Bolt that I have, that usually gets some oohs and ahs over at um, you know any tournament that I go participate in. And, yeah, that's a know, special one. Definitely a nod over to uh, you know Scourge Alters and the way that he's been able to really up the game for some of the alterists out there, um, and like raise the bar a bit so that I mean. To have to be able to paint in that kanji right in there, exactly the same way, like 95% of the time, and like have something look amazing. It look as if it looks like it's been printed on there. So, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, this is what I appreciate about the the game, and like um, also not having to read my cards. Okay, as someone with a uh, original German foil snuff out, I can appreciate the uh, dedication. I also enjoy yeah. playing lots of non-English cards that, and German's actually funnier because from a distance it looks like English, and then you and then players mm -hmm. try to read it, and then they realize that they can't actually read it unless they're German, of course. And that yeah. that has always been a fun, um, trollish thing that I enjoy with my decks. <laughs> but uh, um, so that's really cool because I think you're speaking to this kind of well. First of all, foil bug is, as you said, is kind of too. There's two parts to it. One is like it's being it's it's trying to be a very valuable tournament and store resource, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I think this other part is also very interesting because a lot of people do like content about magic gameplay and cards and things like that, but they're not really connected with the collectability or the sure. the stories of the cards or even like what era it's from, which you're kind of touching on. I think that's an interesting intersection that I haven't seen as much and or maybe maybe there is a bit of it out there but it's also kind of backed by your own i would say personal credibility because like you had quite a lot of success playing these vintage for, or eternal formats i should say that mm -hmm. that's there's a, there's kind of something it feels different if it comes from you you you, you know what i mean yeah, yeah. totally and um there are a lot of other foil aficionados that look up to me that also or even just reach out to me saying hey I want that, and I, the way I look at my collection for my extras cards that are that are not inside my deck, I'm essentially walking around with like you know an open catalog of this is what I have right now, and I think most players you know they get up to a certain extent with their uh, their their collection is like yeah I could probably replace it, it's just going to be kind of a pain in the butt to like you know replace it. However, I don't mind doing it because that interaction to me is pretty pure and I'm seeing someone else pick up a card for the first time and truly enjoying its aesthetic, its its playability and I mean it helps that yeah sure I'm making some money off of it but um, there's also 
just that pure enjoyment of adding something that is so special to their own collection. And whether it's, you know, getting the first piece of that uh, playset or even just like the one of or the, completing the entire playset, which, you know, is sometimes incredibly hard to do, especially with Japanese foils that are like the old border. Yeah. And if I may, I, I feel like you're someone who's very good and strong at being a connector in the community. And by that, I mean, for a lot, if I look at a lot of the German foils or non-foils that I've acquired, I've had to find my sources because they're not that mm -hmm. easy to just, you know, hey, I want to get a foil German snuff out. I can't just, I, it's not that easy. So it's like, you have to know people. And I feel like you're actually providing a service, right? Because you have a certain reputation, a positive one. You're a connector. You help people connect to the pieces of things that they're after, which are mm -hmm. often more rare. And I, and this is something that this is right up my alley because it speaks to like older magic cards with the shooting star foils and things like that being, in my opinion, like a lot more desirable than a lot of the mass produced ones today, where it's like, there's a new set and there's already like six versions of the card when <laughs> it first comes out. Like for me, I'm always about the original printing OG foil, or even just like the non foil, but the original art, you know, there was a time, there was a time and place back then where that was a thing. So, yeah, uh, I would say that I have dedicated a good amount of my time to helping others, you know, connect with another one another, either if it's playing magic or um, even if it's other pieces of a collection. It's like, yeah, I know sometimes have a, a, a mental idea of, you know, what's inside of other other players collections. And if they're willing to you know, part with it. That makes another uh, person friend, like person happy. I can at least connect the two and uh, ensure that maybe that other person has you know something to give as well, and they can make some kind of transaction or trade. But um, yeah, right now there are so many versions also that um, there are a lot of options. But um, I'm sticking true to anything that's been originally printed in a particular set. Um, and I'm not trying to go beyond that, um, so it's it's not going out of my way to necessarily have, you know, the the craziest extended border, you know, maybe serialized plus whatever on top of I don't know what else they're gonna add to it these days, but it's new it one is, every set. Exactly, yeah. it's it's hard to keep track of. I mean, surge foils like suddenly just became a norm, and then. Um, I mean, the serialized things, they, they did a ton of those, and then they had even more limited stuff. Um, I'm not into that stuff, but um, if it's OG, like, from its original set and its foil Japanese, I'm totally in. It just... Uh, also, my if you actually looked at my collection in total, it's not that many cards. But the way I cycle through all my cards and also... Um, only keep the relevant stuff that's inside of the Eternal metagames. That set of cards is what I play with, and I keep it on hand just in case I need to shift my uh, shift my deck just in a, just so, ever so slightly so I can be on top of the metagame. But um, I I do enjoy also lending things out to people because you know it's it's nice to have like an extra dismember or something that you know someone really needs. But the best part of like having the Japanese cards. They got to give it back to me because it's not going to be. Uh, they're not going to. They're going to have some trouble finding that same dismember, um, and hopefully they don't lose it. So. <laughs> <laughs>
But uh, I mean, I know if they're if they keep on playing with it, it's going to be that one Japanese card in their entire English deck. And yeah, it's not always the case, but I would say most people that do borrow from me locally, uh, at least, like they uh, they know to return it pretty quickly. And it, it's like mm -hmm. a it sticks out like a sore thumb. It sticks out. Yeah, I was going to say. So what can people to be really specific? Foil bug. What can, what can people do with it today, and what can they do with it in the future? So the homepage right now, I think, is more introductory. Today, you'll get there. It says Hooked on a Shiny Life. Uh, that is the tagline. And there's even a, like a place where you can sign up for more information um, or just to join the swarm. And you know, eventually, I would love to have a newsletter going. But right now, uh, it is a matter of just getting things launched, getting this whole LGS guide thing going. And if you went to the About page, you can find out that, you know, what the story behind a foil bug is that it's it's feeding off of that whole expression saying you've been bitten by the foil bug and then you have now um, a lot more foils inside of your collection but uh, the the lgs guide side of it is i would say the more the focus right now and that's where there's going to be a list of stores and eventually just the same way that the professor did uh, with his aggregation of all the um, the different accessories that he was rating, and to be able to filter through those by location, by proximity perhaps, and maybe like I wanted, I'm working my, with my developers right now to, you know, ensure that within the next two, three months we're going to build out a a map function, but also. Um, have the list option as well, so that you can just simply browse through through that list of all the stores that uh, Foilbug has visited or been to. Um, but eventually on the home page, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for um, content to exist. So those 30 to 60 second videos, um, or even if it's just articles about you know some of the latest uh, things about foils. And I, I know that like uh, I was at Card Kingdom recently put out a huge foil history and i think i forgot how long it was i'm assuming um, since there was so much research put into it um maybe at least half an hour but i just haven't watched it entirely just yet but i mean a lot of people um pointed it out to me and um it's very interesting where like foils have fit into the history of magic and i think that is something worth um exploring just to maybe like figure out how that uh you know, that impacts our future if we were going to continue with foils um, and see like where that actually leads us to. But um, any of those type of articles will definitely, you know, end up um, either on our homepage or contributing artists or contributing players that want to submit their own um, articles so that others can read about it. I'm not exactly sure what that content's going to be. And I've built this brand essentially so that it is going to be something that I can e help evolve over the next six to eight months and see where it lands. Because I don't think there's any specific, uh, like, correct answer of where this site's going to be in about like a year's time from now. It could be completely different, and maybe I can just—I uh, would be just solely selling merch. But um, there is also an opportunity for, you know, partnerships there as well. So. The hats, for instance, if there is, you know, the foil bug logo on the front, right now it's blank on the back, and the stores that have been reviewed can have that 
space right on the back and it basically have a you know a piece of store merch that is related to that one that was reviewed so and this could be like limited edition stuff i don't really know not just yet but all i know is that it is pretty costly to create merch and also st it's you know hard to sustain that going on but um as long as i have the margins correct i think it can you know keep on feeding to other stores and um, I want to partner with other content creators and other stores that are in, across the country and, you know, hopefully um, they'll give me the time of day and we can like, you know, work together to make something really cool. But um, my developers, uh, I, I definitely want to give them a quick shout out though, at least uh, Colorado Wilson and Axel Smith. Um, they worked tirelessly for 72 hours after they got back hanging out in New York with me partied it up over the weekend and uh, played played some magic in our stores here but um, they really like uh, ironed out all the details for this website launch on February 1st and I'm really proud of them for what they did but for all the visuals that you see on the site as well as even the logo um, the logo is something I sketched up and uh, roped in a, a good friend Jason Murray uh, also known as uh, Luanil on MTGO talented graphic designer and he's, I've done some work with him in the past for even our local um, local stuff so I, I knew I could trust him to give me some of the best visuals for a website and even the wireframes that we put together to really construct the site that's where you know Jason stepped it up and really proud of like the, the entire team working together um, we did have a focus group uh, that was kind of at the 11th hour, you know, giving us some really solid and almost hard to swallow th uh, third party feedback, but it's all coming from a, a good place. And I think I took everything with a grain of salt also to, because I, I knew that this wasn't going to be perfect. And I wanted to, you know, get my foot in the door at least with the start of a platform so that we could at least get, you know, eventually get content built in, um, additional reviews in there, merch being able to be bought. That's the ground floor. But I have more time now to really focus on what the next steps are for Foilbug, and that that makes me excited. I mean, I, I, I won't lie, every waking hour these days, I am thinking about Foilbug. So it's whether it's like, you know, figuring out what I have to do processes wise to like, you know, ship out the next shipments or, um, I mean, for the last four months, I've been like really trying to hammer out all, all the details that go into creating a business from scratch. Like there is no handbook for this unless you really, you know, have some truly like deep background in building an LLC from the ground up, but I've had to figure this out on my own and it's taken time. But, um, you know, to be written off as a uh, just a super blog or even a store locator, sure, that's fine. But I do want to evolve it and create something that is special for the community. And it's also putting my twist on it, like my own style on it, any of the merch, premium, like high quality merch, as opposed to just some, some kind of t-shirt that's going to you know, feel like cardboard after you washed it once. That's just like, it doesn't feel good when you like invested so much money into that. 
um, or even just like a hat that falls apart or whatever. It's like, you know, I don't, I need, I don't need that. I want something that feels special and I want to share that same special feeling with, you know, other people that do appreciate like the things that I do appreciate. So that's kind of where like I, I see foil bug right now. And, uh, I mean, I, I know it can grow. Yeah. You're speaking about so many challenges just as a, as someone who's done entrepreneurial things before, which is mm-hmm. totally a, an entrepreneurship journey for you. There's so many moving parts. There's, there's the tech aspect of it. There's mm-hmm. the sort of content piece and there's aggregating different, um, APIs and different, uh, parts together. And then there's also kind of the, your own personal brand that's part of it. And I know there's a lot going on like in here that you're, I'm sure you must feel like right now you're just scratching the surface. This is just like foot in the door. Like I've launched the first version of the site, like, as you said on Feb first, but mm-hmm. there's so much more to go. And maybe this is a good segue to just ask you, like, you know, from starting with the ideation of this, which was maybe four or five months ago to now, like what are, what are some of the, the challenges that you face so far that you're comfortable sharing? Sure. Um, even the creation of the LLC itself, I guess in New York state, you really have to have, uh, you know, two forms of publication out there so that you can get your, um, articles of publication and that'll help you get your, um, your LLC really situated. So, and I mean, I didn't know that you actually had to advertise and, uh, in a newspaper, uh, periodical and that's like six weeks or something there. Yeah, not a lot of people know that uh, unless you've actually been through the process. And um, I was told that you got to do it, and I did it. But uh, just those type of hurdles that are, um, it, it was actually pretty difficult for me to start up. Because at one point, I was reaching out to a friend of mine, uh, David Tao. Um, and he, he's definitely been more in that uh, entrepreneurial world doing his own very successful startups and he's he's basically just like just get started you know and these challenges that you're seeing right now they're never going to really go away they're because there's always going to be new challenges and you're just going to have to really start chipping away at everything and i mean I, i think maybe that's the allure to uh these type of these startups, startup companies is that you'll never really, you know, be done with the work until you sell it. So, and also the fear of it failing. I mean, that I, I, there's been so much said about, you know, fear of failure and without failing, you know, you're never going to get anywhere in life. So you're just going to have to like fail and fail and fail until you actually, you know, truly succeed. So, yeah, I have a lot of fear of failure, and it I was almost petrified to really start up Foilbug. So if that was one big challenge and one hurdle, I would say that was, you know, waking up and realizing that I didn't have an employer anymore, and this is on me. And am I going to just, like, wallow in my own self-pity? Hell no. I had to basically <laughs> just pull myself up. I mean, not to sound too cliche, but I, I, I didn't want yeah. to be just another casualty of this set of tech layoffs uh, last quarter. Oh uh, yeah. Last quarter. And I, 
wanted to, you know, do something for myself. And, you know, I think that I had a, a better vision than maybe some other people that have come out of a layoff. And yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I spent about three months during that time, right after I got laid off, it was reworking my resume, reaching out to industry contacts in advertising. I mean, I had, I have a lot of network to work with there and um, a lot of credibility after 15 plus years in digital advertising. So um, I was walking away from that, but I knew at least in my mind, I could at least use all those skills that I developed professionally in that corporate setting and apply them into my own work ethic on the magic side, into a brand that I cared about, that was truly a passion project. And I'm seeing this now unfold <clears throat> almost as a project manager stand, project manager standpoint. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't necessarily perfect or even organized the way that I always wanted it to be, but I kept everything in Google Docs to make sure I was on top of things. And, you know, I, I treat it as my own baby, like the one that I knew if this fails, it's my fault. And if it doesn't hit particular deadline, it's my fault. So that is the type of fear that is going to help me create that pressure that I need. And that is the stuff that is really pushing me to, you know, figure out what is next. Right. And every single conversation that I have with any of those folks that reach out about, you know, to give me advice, even, I think it's always helpful to hear them out and to also implement some of those changes. Um, I, I have the luxury of truly being at the helm of this and, you know, to be your own boss, right? That's kind of the dream, but there, a, a lot of responsibility comes in that too. You have to be responsible for like those decisions. And if it fails it, um, and it's a bad decision, you're going to have to eat those consequences. But, um, hopefully you've been given the right advice that it's not going to harm your business too much. So, but I, I tr also try to you know, poll a lot of my friends to make sure that, hey, does this make sense or does this sound right? And um, even that mission statement of just like, you know, committed, being committed to serve the magic community and providing the, these type of services, like I had to come up with that with a friend's help because I did have Roger's block and it's, it's not always going to come naturally, but there are talented people out there like Colorado and Axel, Jason even, that are willing to get behind me on this and to support me. And it, the way that they said that I have supported them and also the community, they want to find a way to give back to me. So I think it's, it, it feels really good to have, you know, the community support. And um, that's probably the reason why um, I feel so fired up about this right now. And I know that, if others are not this excited about it, I really do hope that if they give me the next three to six months to see what this can become, to see like what an LGS guide is going to really provide them, then maybe they can like really get behind me as well and get that ball rolling. I didn't expect anything for this to happen on February 1st. Like I, I expected this to just be launched, but the reception that I've gotten has been overwhelmingly positive. So, you know, that also just feeds into my, um, 
just my own drive to really just keep on trying to fine tune things to to find new things to to incorporate into it so honestly if you have ideas for this stuff i mean james like you know you tell me <laughs> I, I feel like i've been noodling on this stuff for so long so i do want to double click on something you said and i feel like you've implied the solutions but i i just want to ask you straight up like how did you get over that fear of failure because i feel like everybody has a different <laughs> definition of what failure means and what it is how did you overcome that for yourself so i think i got over the fear of failure by just diving in and knowing that i have spent enough time to put in fail safes in and i mean i think at one point or my or another my dad told me his biggest weakness was being a perfectionist and I, I certainly see that in myself as well, that I don't, like, I'm, I'm struggling at, what, one or two in the morning before a tournament trying to put together the perfect deck. Yeah, I, I can't even go to sleep. And that is, I think it's a, that fear of failure, I'm kind of used to that as a Magic player because, I mean, nobody wants to go into their next tournament, go O2 drop just because they don't feel like they prepared enough. And, um taking that same approach for what I've really been able to chip away at this large iceberg of so many thousands of decisions up to this point, I, I feel like I should be able to handle like maybe a setback or two. And it's not going to be full failure. The, if it's going to be truly a failure, that's when I've given up on myself and like I have not really put my best foot into the light of like in, in, my my own impression into this whole project that I, I I would not be proud of. So I think at least from my my parents and my my family close friends standpoint, I think they they view Foilbug as a true reflection of myself. That they they do understand that I have poured my heart and soul into this, and that I do have amazing backing from friends that you know want to see this succeed and it means the world to me and i mean i don't want to fail but i know that at least i've i'm giving like my best effort usually in my in my life that has usually amounted to something good so fortunately i mean i've been lucky in that regard but um uh, it doesn't happen for everybody and you know for me to just be petrified of even trying that was the first thing that i had to overcome and um because it was, it was just diving there right in man like it, it was really really difficult to because i knew i was going down a path that at this point no turning back but looking maybe into the future a year from now let's say foil bug does go kaput for some odd reason whatever it is Maybe it's just poor branding or whatever it is, or something shutters it because of financial difficulty. At least I have a story that I can tell to my future employers that, you know, I gave it my all. And something that I was truly passionate about didn't unfold the way I wanted it to. But at least I tried to make something happen of it. And that I had friends that wanted to support me, not just financially, but also they wanted to see something that I was building come to fruition. And um, 
I I would be I, I would feel so mistaken if like most players didn't want to see something of this sort where mm -hmm. like a service that is free a service that is a review just like the way that professor was reviewing accessories up up it is at least free information that they can access and immediately know where to play where they when they could play and like what they can play i think there's a couple things you said here that i i just want to like briefly call because i feel like it's it's just so meaningful because i think first of all you're saying that you're giving it your all so if you give it your all and you're truly convicted about convinced about what this thing is trying to do then that's the thing like you can't expect more than giving it your all in anything in life so it's like if you give it your all and whatever happens you know you prepare the 75 for a tournament you, you feel like it's the best build it's the best thing for the metagame regardless of whether you end up going 0-2 drop or win the whole tournament you got to be happy with the choices that you you made with that conviction and i think secondly i think you also called out that you have the backing of the community or at least certain members of the community behind you so when there's people that are kind of also convinced that this is something they want to help out with whether it's the developers or jason or somebody else or i guess myself as well you know i'm rooting for you to succeed i think that's Thanks. a really powerful force it becomes more than just roland it becomes it becomes like something like it's kind of like having a team right like when you're somebody's mm -hmm. boss like if if you're all bought into this thing it's that sort of like mutual accountability, like you're accountable to them, they're accountable to you, and that that's a good feeling. And I think the mm -hmm. the third thing, just the last thing I want to call here, just saying a little slightly differently than the way you said it, it's just like you're just reframing what failure means because like it's kind of like a cliche, right? Like, are there really failures? Because let's say this thing doesn't work out a year from now, this is a learning opportunity. This is something that you you'll be proud to say like I. I, I swung for the fences and it didn't quite get there. Like, God forbid it didn't get there, right? I'm, I'm mm -hmm. sure it will succeed, but let's say if there's some scenario where it doesn't, sure, you can still frame that as like, I did something. I tried something. I was passionate about this thing. I try to make it a reality. And maybe there's a few select ways it can succeed. Maybe we didn't quite get there, but that's still got to be something you could be proud of. So I feel like you're, you're kind of touching all these kind of things. Yeah, uh, I in my seventeen plus years in corporate America, I think that's where I was too scared to actually, you know, go beyond my my normal daily roles. So, um, you know, at times you had to basically conform. You had to perform up to, you know, hit those check boxes, and to go above and beyond that was not always looked highly upon. And then sometimes it was when you wanted to get a promotion. Um, and it depended on like my manager uh, who was, you know, who was in control of my destiny at whatever company it was. And it never really felt that great having to tell somebody all the time what I was up to and roll that up to the next person so I could get reviewed on that. It's like, it is freedom right now that it is a, a pure like sense of happiness that I can go about my daily daily chores if you will and I know certain things need to happen like I need to send out 20 packages today all right at least I spent the last like three hours before I went to sleep last night making and writing all those addresses and I know that I'm detail oriented enough to make sure that everything is going to be in line but 
this is years and years of just you know being almost told what to do or at least uh you know my cue of the things that i have to do i have to execute to a t otherwise it tarnishes my brand and you know walking that tightrope for that long and then kind of getting that ripped out from underneath me i mean yeah it sucked but um you know when i when i went through like those different stages of like shock remorse depression and like all those things that happened quickly but i mean i felt like i could at least hold my head up high because i survived at least eight or nine rounds of layoffs in those tech layoffs of over the over the last 15 years so i knew that at least i had the skills to be able to survive out in the real world but um you know, I could, I could totally imagine other people not feeling as comfortable about it if they didn't have like a vision of sorts. But I do feel like, you know, something that magic has taught me was, you know, logistical or at least logical sequencing of things that need to happen in order for an optimal outcome to occur. That organizing myself and also finding people that I trust in and put full full trust into them when they're doing their things instead of like actually you know trying to you know micromanage or monitor them because that's when people just shut down and they're not truly like you know helping you they're just going through the motions but this site it's beautiful because Jason put so much time into it it's beautiful because like Colorado and Axel like hammered away until two three in the morning i stay up to 4 30 in the morning it's not an obligation for exactly for, the, for you guys we're just hanging yeah. out and like there goes axel coding away into three o'clock in the morning like his time and i'm just like cheering him on from the side and i just wanted to be a part of the process but they know it's it's like something that i truly believe in that's going to change how we perceive lgs is going forward because I, I think LGSs need the love. They've been through so much in the last three years, and we see them getting, you know, broken into. There's not, like, the communities are falling apart, and LGSs are shutting down due to financial hardship. And I think it's pretty inexcusable for, you know, the community not to be there for them, to support them. So at least this brings them into the spotlight once again. And you know, if Wizards isn't going to support them, at least like Foilbug can at least provide them the sense that they are premium, that they are WPM premium worthy. And I believe that some of these stores, you know, really do deserve it, but they just don't have the resources to, you know, make those changes to get to that next level. And um, if it really takes, you know, this guerrilla tactics of, you know, getting them into that that shape and they get wizards to back them maybe and fund them a little bit more so that they can you know have the the prize support so that they can attract more customers and i mean that's where that's where magic really shines is you know at the ground level so i would love to be able to be part of that m movement that helps the lgs's succeed and um and and watch out legacy or even vintage come back even stronger especially after this like now that we're mostly post post pandemic at least we can go and play like play at these stores but you know you, if anybody's been in these stores they they know that um 
it's definitely taking a hit. The 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 attendance is not the same. How can people join the movement? How can they get to know Foilbug, and how can they partake in what this beautiful thing that you're building? So they can join the swarm. That's like signing up on email. Um, there are other parts of the the website that also you know ask how can we help you, and that's a form that is going to populate you know in, into my direct email roland at foilbug.com um, and I will just, I will see what I can do to help um, whether it's uh, a request for you know consulting or c consulting them on their collection or you know how to acquire other things or um, or even some like you know suggestions for content I mean I think where people can follow me is either on at Foilbug on Twitter or, you know, at RolandMTG. I think most people have seen me at least at one point or another. Um, and even after Some the images of Japanese foils. Yes. yes oh, if exactly. not the announcement, of course. Yes. Yep. I, I pollute the uh, the Twitter airways with my deck lists and... Um, it's good pollution. You know, we need more of this. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope that people do appreciate the aesthetic behind it because I... Well, it doesn't look like, uh, you know, it doesn't look like it's that hard for me to put together a deck pick, but there is some effort behind that. You know, unsleeving it completely so it's completely naked and, um, you know, throwing it under a particular light that... Yep. Uh, Lighting, yeah. presentation, it takes mm -hmm. time. I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've had to just take photos of deck lists after an event. I realized, oh my goodness, this is, actually takes some effort. So I, I, I know the challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even just the, the placement of all the cards and hopefully it doesn't knock over, um, you know, other cards, but maybe that's, that all comes from just being a vendor. So, mm -hmm. you know, being one of those rare crossovers of, uh, you know, player vendors that want to play competitively, but also be a resource for the community. I think that's where, um, I've been able to find my niche. And, uh, you know, I continue to meet a lot more new players just whenever I go to shows, you know, behind the booth of a TOA or a Grey Ogre Games and, you know, maybe maybe another booth in the future. But um, I, I always enjoy the interactions and the stories that I hear. Um, and I think that that idea about, you know, going into a project or even going into a challenge without the fear of failure that has helped me kind of relax a little bit better and especially in those tense moments during a match and to also have a more pleasant match experience when i get to start to talk to my opponent as a, another human and really joke around if it is um, loosen up the tension and it's, it's not a tactic to get them to loosen up their own play but <clears throat> it isn't it's what i love most about magic is that it's a human experience that you get to talk with another person in a different language that is universal and talk about it afterwards that whole experience if you really truly do want to and it doesn't have to be you know about the winner it doesn't have to be about like why is someone lost i think it can be just a shared experience that you know maybe less people if they just took the time to maybe help one another, like understand what happened during the game and like, just thank each other for having some games. I mean, that simple notion of just 
spending the time together. Because, like, this is we're playing Magic at such a high level that it is it's pretty rare. I mean, when we're at competition and like, you know, trying not to fail in front of each other, it's it's really, really difficult to, you know, keep it all together. All right, Roland, thank you so much for taking the time to tell me about, I guess, what's been going on recently with you and Foilbug. Thank you so much, James. I really appreciate you bringing me on here. And like I said before, if you do have ideas of how to improve Foilbug and even the brand itself, or even ideas of how to expand things, I'm all ears and uh, would be welcome to all those suggestions.